Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. This past week, I was at a conference in Indianapolis learning about business strategies and going to breakout sessions, and I got really fired up when I heard this statement. It takes discipline to be positive. As a matter of fact, I vocally responded to the statement with a, heck yeah, it does. Now, the speaker was just in the middle of a point and said, it takes discipline to be positive, and it was said like kind of a cast-off statement. So my vocal and physical response caught the speaker off guard. She stopped her presentation, came over by me, and asked me why the statement moved me to respond. And I simply said, it's because it's true. And I believe that positivity is a choice. She made the mistake then of handing me the microphone and asking me to repeat that, as well as any other points I'd like to make. And the next thing I knew, I was passionately discussing being Buffalo and the need for people to remember that we ultimately have a choice in everything we do and every way we respond and that we are all leaders. And suddenly I realized that I was her guest and stealing her air. I apologized, sat down, and she was like, um, no, 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 we appreciate it. I mean, I felt really bad because I went into full-blown like coaching mode, getting physically animated, emotionally engaged, and passionate about my lack of understanding for people who choose to be negative and victims. Well, as I was walking out of the session 40 minutes later, I was stopped by a woman from Japan who said to me, I looked you up. I like your Buffalo leadership work. You should learn about shear waters. I said thank you and continued to chat with the speaker a little bit about everything that she had been saying in her presentation, how effectively she presented it and how it was going to help me run meetings around using digital dashboards. And well, like I said, her comment was nothing to do with her process. And I took a bunch of notes and I wrote down shear waters on a notepad and I continued my day and my learning. I sat there for the rest of the day and didn't think again about the comment. After dinner and then heading back up to my room, I was sitting at my hotel desk typing up my notes and I found a note that said Shearwaters. I smiled a bit thinking about the moment in someone else's presentation that I interrupted and that this great woman came up to me afterwards and said, hey, you should look this up. I tried to figure out what it was before looking it up. I was thinking of the roots in the words shear to cut or break and waters. And then I thought this must be like a giant wave or something. I live on a great lake, and huge waves are called breakers, so I thought shearwaters must be dangerous waters. Before I share what it is, I want to have you start thinking about the idea that positivity is a discipline. Discipline being a very purposeful action or intention. Discipline being a commitment and a decision made all the time. Many people who maintain optimism, who maintain positivity, who choose to be engaged are oftentimes the minority. They are often challenged by their own cultures, and too many times the optimist withdraws from the others just to survive, and they pull away from the negativity. Okay, I get that, but you also need to remember that by doing so, it allows others to dominate with pessimism and drive more people away. Positivity discipline is not running away, it is running into You've heard me tell you this on 261 episodes that buffaloes maintain optimism by taking on what bothers them. Well, now, now because of a businesswoman from Japan, we have a second way to maintain our positivity and to learn the discipline it takes to survive in difficult times and within difficult cultures. While I love and will never stop admiring the behaviors of people who run into storms, the Shearwater 
might be a pretty cool second way to look at your positivity and the discipline it takes to move on. A shearwater is a bird, a seabird. It looks a lot like a North American seagull. And in the Pacific, there are large varieties of shearwaters. The most common one in Japan is a streaked shearwater, and it weighs a little over a pound and a half, and fully matured males and females are about a foot and a half tall. They are really cool animals. Believe me, I spent half of Saturday night reading about them. They live up to 40 years and eat mostly fish and squid and are a common nuisance to fishermen because they have learned through the wisdom that the easiest catch is at the nets as they're being pulled up by the fishermen. Anyways, Japanese fishermen have been annoyed by these shearwaters forever, but they also learned something from them, and that was the discipline needed to take risks and survive in the most hostile environments. I think you've heard the term typhoon and hurricane, right? You know, the gigantic storms that tend to pop up seasonally around warm water areas on the equator. You know, the storms that pull out all of the water from the ocean creates surges, moving gazillions of gallons of water onto land that have winds exceeding 100 miles per hour and can actually go past 160 miles per hour of wind. It's a storm that can have a diameter of up to 1,000 miles. I mean, that's the distance between Indianapolis and Orlando, Florida. That's a storm. Well, island nations in the Pacific observed something as they were moving inland and trying to find safety while these typhoons were coming ashore. The men and women on these islands noticed that there was something very strange about shearwater birds. They flew into the typhoons. Oh, as soon as I read that, I was like, what? A pound and a half bird that's a foot and a half high flies into a typhoon? Now, running into a thunderstorm takes a certain courage and discipline. I mean, when you weigh 2,000 pounds and stand six feet tall, I imagine you have the confidence to stand there staring down a thunderstorm and then the courage to run into it. But what if you're just a small member of the community? What if you are a minority in your culture? Because you're one of the few optimists. Well, guess what? We found ourselves a role model to support the discipline needed to take on the largest of storms and cultures. The shearwater bird. Huh. Actually, it is motivated as the winds grow stronger, and they fly harder into the wind as the force of the wind increases. Imagine for a moment the first time you experience a typhoon. Winds and palm leaves flying past you. The rain is horizontal. The air is filled with debris. And then you look up and a bunch of birds are flying into it? Whew. That's discipline. That's what we need for positivity. When there is a calmness around you, there is a little need for disciplined positivity. Things are calm. You're content. The world around you is chill. Now, the winds of negativity begin to blow slowly. You don't even really notice them, but people are building up momentum and moving towards negativity. Discipline and instinct need to come in into this moment. Leaders need to employ process and find out what is causing the increase in negativity by flying into it. Now, the buffalo has learned that the fastest way through a storm is to run into it. The shearwater bird? Well, they learned that the fastest way to survive a typhoon is to fly towards the increased winds. And the stronger the winds, the more resilient the bird gets, the more tenacious they behave, and the more disciplined and determined they become. They fly in a straight line and find the eye of the storm. Yeah, it flies into the eye of the storm. Well, why do they do that? Because in the eye of a storm of a typhoon, it's weirdly peaceful. They fly hundreds of miles into 
and find the eye of the storm. And then they find themselves in an area that's like 20 to 40 miles wide with little to no wind, blue skies, and all around them they're protected by the storm itself. There's food, there's peace, and there's safety. All these disciplined birds instinctively fly into the storm, land in the water, and float in the center of a terrifyingly powerful thing, a typhoon, with literally miles-high walls of clouds and storms. And they just sit in the sunshine, (laughs) in floating chairs with daiquiris and Mai Tais. Well, I made that up, but that's likely what I would do if I was floating in the in an armchair in the middle of the eye of a typhoon. Think about this. Think of the discipline it takes and the pure grit to fly into and then through a typhoon to get to the center of peace. Imagine the stories you'd be telling yourself as you're flying into these conditions, the narratives you'd create about, I can't do this. I need to give up. I'm never going to be able to do this. There's no way. It's just too easy to turn around. The ease of everyone else who is running away from the storm. It takes discipline to be positive. I got to be honest, I think some of us work in these type of storms where when things start to heat up, storms emerge and pessimism prevails and creates so much noise that it's hard to get through that nobody knows what to do. However, there are people who have the discipline to walk into these only to find that in the center of them, there are other like-minded optimists who've dedicated themselves to finding a way to maintain the discipline to get things done, to focus on mission and be there for others. Imagine the strength to not only decide, the discipline to make the decision to fly into the opposite direction of literally everyone and everything else, but to fly into the eye and sit back in complete safety waiting as the winds eventually fade, the skies open up, and the world is safe again. Imagine for a moment convincing yourself to do this at the word or modeled behavior of others. And then when it's over, to come back to complete devastation as people had succumbed to the storm, who don't believe it's that bad or tried too late to get away from the overwhelmingly negativity that the people who thought their life would be easy get hit with, get hit with that storm. Then those same people blame others for the position they are in by their own choice. No discipline to be a negative person. I believe we have a lot to learn from the buffalo. And now, our little friend, the shearwater. Discipline in positivity is a choice. It's actually a reflex and a muscle that needs to be strengthened. Imagine the sheer joy when you fly through that wall. That wall of wind and rain and thunder and lightning. And then get into the inner peace of the eye of the storm. Only to look around and see all the other like-minded and positively disciplined people. Imagine creating the conditions that the eye is filled with people who fly in and out of the storm teaching and guiding the way in order to create a culture where others can find the discipline to take on the negativity and the winds created by people who want to purposely suck the air from your lungs only to find on the other side of the 165 mile per hour winds that there is actual peace. And imagine being the person who demonstrates the obnoxious optimism and the freedom that intentional joy provides. I want to be in that flock of shearwater birds. Insert flock of seagulls joke. But that hangs out with a bunch of buffaloes as well. 
Holy moly, can you imagine how awesome it would be to be a shearwater bird hanging on the horn of a buffalo as a storm's approaching and you fly into that thing and you look over your shoulder and the buffaloes are charging? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible because we need leaders like you to do it. I read the other day that 94% of people in the workplace indicated that they have worked with a toxic person. That leaves barely anyone who has not. And then there are those the ones that mock the shearwaters, those toxic people, and they mock the buffaloes. And that 84% of that same group indicated that the dynamics of the group were impacted by those toxic people. I feel bad for those people because no one around them ever modeled how to get through it. Scientists who studied shearwaters learned that they live a long life, 40 years for a bird, because they challenge the conditions around them. They learn from every experience, and they have the discipline to go into the strongest of winds. And they're smart enough to watch the fishermen pull the fish out so they don't have to work as hard. I'd be obnoxiously optimistic too every time I saw a boat. Now, my question is this. Do you have the discipline? When you are facing the headwinds of negativity, do you get more resilient or do you turn and go into the winds? I mean, at what point do we choose mission and purpose and fuel it with optimism and happiness? Imagine the joy when you get to the eye of the storm after maintaining the tenacity to go into it, to keep going. I mean, sitting in the eye of a typhoon with calm seas and warm air and sunshine and you got your floaties on and a white claw or a margarita, whoa! How do we do it? Well, we choose it, and we also have a problem, and that means we need to have a process. Because you can't just expect individuals to have the courage and bravery to challenge these types of storms. You have to create the opportunity for people to do it. So, in order to create a culture where there is disciplined positivity, we need to set the table and get people talking, solutioning, and admiring what can be done. Most people like to admire the problem. Mm -mm. Shearwaters and buffaloes? We admire the solution. Two processes and one mindset for you to be better at going into the storm, either charging or flying. And now you get to choose. So those of you coming to my summer leadership retreat will actually get these tools handed to you. And make sure you register. Shameless plug, CESA 6 website. All right. Process number one, 52 card pickup. When I was a kid, my grandpa had this joke all of the time. He'd open up a deck of cards and he'd say, Teddy, you ever play 52 card pickup? And every time I'd fall for it. No, grandpa, what's the game? He'd fire the cards at me. Well, let's make that into an opportunity to discuss what we value around positivity. So here's the process. You can do this on your own or you can wait till we create them. Using a deck of cards and a Sharpie or a label maker... Or come to my leadership conference and get a deck. Okay, I'll stop. Get a deck of cards and write or label them with the values of positivity. Words like caring, kindness, equity, voice, support, love. Seriously, I googled this and found a list of 100 positive value terms. Anyway, with the group, play the old card game 52 Pickup. Toss the cards on the table facing down so they're scattered around and have everyone pick up a card. Everyone takes their card and finds the same suit, and they get into their groups, the hearts, the clubs, the diamonds, and the spades. And then you put a couple of prompts up on the screen to guide these conversations. First, this prompt. Describe what you can do to support more of the value found on your card in our culture. Now, think about this. It puts it on the person with the card to talk about here is the solution. 
everyone in their suit or group of 13 or whatever size shares out what they could do to support the value in the culture. Then, once people are through it, ask the groups to make a commitment to flying into the cultural storms that we have, following through on the behaviors, strategies, tactics, and ideas that they presented. Now, here's the second prompt. Inverted. You ready? The second prompt is to have a person take out a post-it pad, look at their value, and then write out on the post-it pad, we will no longer tolerate this behavior. Everyone writes out their answers and puts the notes on the wall. You, using your Post-it app, look it up, download it. It's amazing. You scan the responses and then share them with the entire culture. Before everyone leaves the room, you show a statement on the screen that says that positivity and culture take discipline. Let's have the discipline to enforce what we expect and call out what we should no longer tolerate. That's right. You bring it to the flock, to your herd, and you put it back on them. No single leader. No teacher, no principal, no executive on their own can do anything about a culture unless the culture is engaged in solving their own problems. Process number two, chat packs. It's a similar process. And guess what? If you come to my summer leadership retreat, you're going to get these chat packs as well. Here's what you do. You create typed up cards with prompts that directly address cultural issues in your world, your school, your classroom, your family, your office, whatever. And then they are specific And you drop the chat packs out on the table, you have people read them, and you have them discuss them. Again, a big cultural no-no is just to allow people at tables to have a conversation of what they think is wrong. No, you're going to call it out, and you're going to talk about what we're going to do about it. Here are some examples of the questions that I could put in your chat packs. Describe what we need to do in order to have the courage to call out negativity in our environment. List the ways in which we can increase our ownership of our own engagement. And the last one here, identify behaviors in our culture that would not be tolerated in your own home. Oh, that one's going to be fun. Now, the last one. So that's two strategies or processes. Now let's talk about a a mindset. I want you to adopt the 70-30 mindset around relationships. I want you to teach about it. I want you to expect it. And I want you to reinforce it. Again, I'm at the conference in another session and I hear a presenter just kind of toss off this statement. And I'm like, what? This is really powerful, Mir. Really, really powerful for me. Here's what I heard her say. Relationships are not supposed to be 50-50. I give 50% and get 50%? No. Instead, we have to go into them giving 70% when the other person can only give 30% and not expect a return of energy. And then there are days when we can only give 30% and we get 70%. 70% given with no expectation of return and 70% received without guilt. 70% given with no expectation of return and 70% received without guilt. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, When you have the discipline of positivity, you need process. You need courage, grit, perseverance, and a recognition that you can't get equally and you can't give equally all of the time. But you will eventually end up in the clear and blue skies of a stormless pasture or in the eye of a typhoon watching the storm and surrounded by others who had the discipline to take on the world that was threatening them and staying positive the entire time. That doesn't come if you're going to give 50% to get 50%. No, you give more for people who need more. And when you need more, others give more to you. 
I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but I needed it, and I needed the inspiration. And like always, I found it when I was surrounded by others, positive people with can-do mindsets and behaviors and lessons learned from a woman from Japan and two speakers I had never met before. Inspiration and leadership fuel is everywhere. Just got to have the positive discipline to be on the lookout every moment for it. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe the typhoons you are facing that will challenge your positivity. List which process you will employ to support the discipline of others. Describe what you can do different to increase your positive discipline. And think about, no matter what size you are in the culture, whether you're six foot and 2,000 pounds or a foot and a half and one and a half pounds, how can you make a difference? That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please forward and share this with anyone you think needs to hear it. And make sure to sign up for my leadership retreat this summer on the CESA 6 website. It's July 11th and 12th. It's outside. It's amazing. It's engaging. It's fun. There's food and music and fellowship and learning. And the focus of the conference is communication and team building this year. And the tools in today's podcast will be used and shared. Thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music, and please make sure to support them by following them on your music platform. Okay, <laughs> I never thought I'd share this story on the podcast, but here goes. I was actually in a hurricane once. I'm sure some of you listen to this like, what has this guy not been in? Well, I've been in a lot, took a lot of risks, done a lot of things. But I was a 22-year-old college kid in Florida for spring break, and we were out doing what Wisconsin kids do best on spring break. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. But we were at a bar called The Barber Shop, and before we went off to go to that bar, we had watched the news and read and seen that there was a chance of a tropical storm making landfall that might turn into a hurricane, and to be cautious of the gale force winds. Well, my friends and I were like, who cares about that? We're from Wisconsin. We live through blizzards. So we went out and we walked on to the barber shop, which was a bar, and, well, we had to be rescued by the fire department. When we awoke the next morning, we looked outside. Now, we had to be rescued because what we weren't paying attention to while we were in the bar watching football or basketball, who knows what we were watching, and playing darts, we didn't realize that the streets had flooded, the bridge had washed out, and there we were waiting for a ride, a ride from some friendly firefighters. The next morning when we awoke... Our friend's grandma's 14th floor condominium that we were staying in had no electricity and the gigantic windows and glass patio doors were bending in and out and making the scariest sound I had ever heard. We, like all good college kids, had no food in that condo and had to get out and get some. We also didn't know how we were going to get home because we had no phones, and this is pre-cell phones, so our parents were worried to death back in Wisconsin watching the news about kids in Fort Myers trapped in a hurricane. <laughs> my poor parents. We played rock, paper, scissors to see who would go down the two-block walk to the grocery store, and I lost. Oh, I always throw rock. Now, when we looked outside, the palm trees were bent over and snapping, the rain was sideways, and boats in the marina were bouncing in and out of the water. Yes, in and out of the water. It's hard to forget. I walked down the 14 flights of stairs with another friend who was going to wait for me to open the door and let me back in with all the groceries. I got all the cash from my friends, and as soon as I stepped outside, I was smashed in the face with wind, and I had to lean into it. 
to walk. Literally, I would pick up my feet and feel the balance come, and I'd slam them down quickly to keep from falling and keep my balance. And then sometimes the wind would just stop, and I would fall forward onto the ground. Yeah, I was leaning that far forward. It took me forever to get to the grocery store. I walked in, and the place was packed. There was operating off of a generator out front, and I grabbed all of the essentials. Cereal, milk, burgers, lots of burgers, lots of buns, chips, and a couple of cases of barley pop. I checked out, and like an idiot, I had way too much to carry. As I walked outside, a shopping cart whizzed past me and was cruising down the road. That was when I guess I first thought like a shearwater. Hmm. I asked the clerk if I could have some garbage bags. I put all my groceries in the garbage bag, tied them off at the top so they'd be waterproof, and then put them into a shopping cart. I remember thinking it was a funny thing to say, and I turned to everyone in the store and I said, Hey, everybody, it was nice knowing you. And then, with my body glove board shorts, Spiri Doc shoes, and a Varnay t-shirt on, I stepped onto the back of the shopping cart, pushed off as the window and the doors opened of the grocery store, and pointed myself towards the condo building that I had walked into the headwinds to get to. My body was acting as a sail. And the hurricane-like winds immediately accelerated the shopping cart. And I was cruising down the center of the flooded road and right at the condo. I dragged my feet on the different sides to steer, and I was about to get into the parking lot of the condo. And I swear, I was going over 30 miles per hour. I put both my feet down. I couldn't slow down. And I tipped the cart over. The waterproof bags hit the ground, and my buddy came flying out laughing hysterically at me. And we walked up the 14 flights of stairs with 400 pounds of food and beer. And I share this with you because we all have opportunities in life to find joy in the storm. When I got upstairs, the adrenaline finally caught up and I realized there's a good chance I was going to get sucked off the earth and into that storm. So this week, look for it. Be disciplined in your positivity. Don't let unforeseen circumstances shift your direction or joy. And when the world gives you powerful forces that challenge you, fly into them charge into them, or heck, ride with them and use it to your advantage. Positivity is a choice, and living positively is a discipline. Now, if you know my mom, don't tell her the last part of this podcast. For 30-some years, she thought we were just sitting there eating. All right, fly or charge. I don't care. Just choose positivity. Today's song is Golden Bear Studios artist and elementary school teacher Andrew Hoyt. It's his cover of Beautiful Soul. I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. I don't want my love to go to waste. I want you and your beautiful soul. I know that you are something special to you. I'd be. Always faithful I want to be What you always needed Then I hope you'll see the heart in me I don't want another pretty face I don't want just anyone to hold I don't want my love to go to waste I want you and your beautiful soul You're the one I want to chase You're the one I want to hold I won't let another minute go to waste I want you in your beautiful soul Your beautiful soul 
give me the chance I'll never make you cry Come on, let's try I don't want another pretty face I don't want just anyone to hold I don't want my love to go to waste I want you and your beautiful soul You're the one I want to chase You're the one I want to hold I won't let another minute go to waste I want you and your beautiful soul For wanting you Baby, do you think you could want me too? I don't wanna waste your time Do you see things the way I do? I just wanna know what you feel too There is nothing left to hide I don't want another pretty face I don't want just anyone to hold I don't want my love to go Beautiful soul, you're the one I wanna chase